You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls. Andrew Forbes, Peter Barrichini, and Alex Hoffman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 77 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Peter Barrichini and Alex Hobson. And boys, we're back with another full slate of hockey talk, some big news for us here at the show. And we'll most definitely talk some Taylor Hall antics in a little bit. But first, uh, Peter, how's the week been for you, my friend? Um, Week has been great. I mean, despite that, uh, you know, loss to the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday, you know, the Maple Leafs bounced back with two solid outings. And I know we're going to talk about that later in the show, but I have a lot to say about that. Um, I'm sure as we all do, but yeah, you know, my week has been good, quiet, getting uh, some more draft content out there, you know, looked at Matthew Nyes recently. So yeah, everything's going good. Beautiful. Uh, Mr. Hobson, how you doing this week, buddy? Um, things have been all right. They, they've definitely been up and down. Um, before we start this episode, I want to, I want to give a quick shout out to the Foo Fighters and Taylor Hawkins because yes. that news completely rocked me over the weekend. And it was mm-hmm. one of those things where I, I hadn't listened to the Foo's for a bit. Um, they're, they're kind of one of those bands for me where I kind of go in and out of phases with them. But I, I, they're one of those bands that I never gotten the opportunity to see before. And I was hoping to change that in the future. And, uh, it's, it, it if I do, it's not going to feel the same at this point. So um, I didn't yeah. realize how universally respected Taylor Hawkins was among the music industry. You know, you look at just about every single big band from from Led Zeppelin to the Beatles, to Queen, to the Rolling Stones, they're all paying tribute to him. And um, I think to know that you've made that kind of impact on a single industry is a huge, um, it, it's a huge indicator of what you're like as a person. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to get that out of the way. Rest in peace to uh, Taylor Hawkins and his condolences to his family and friends. And uh, I hope the Foos can come out stronger on the other side because, fuck, 2022 wasn't harsh enough, man. Like, that just pushed pushed shit right over the edge. That news hit me about the same as Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington because they were, like, icons. And even I looked up to Taylor as a well, – play drums for in school music and everything like that so i looked up to him as one of those guys that were like one of the pioneers for like the grunge industry in the 90s as well so yeah i everywhere that i went on when i heard the news actually that same day i went shoe shopping and i heard foo fighters at sport check and i literally just dropped the shoe i'm like nope gotta go gotta get out can't do this anymore hearing the foo fighters at the hockey games can't do it it, it, it was it was tough, man. Like that was just some really really tough news to hear. Mm-hmm. Alex, it's interesting. It's interesting that you said like uh, his impact that he had on the um, the music industry. But like I saw a tweet shortly after the news broke of uh, a political stance that he took. I forget uh, forget exactly like all the details, but drove along the road and uh, he was in the back of a pickup. And I know what you're yeah. Know, you know what I I'm referring exactly to? Yeah, right? what you're talking about. And it's yeah. I mean. I think that's where a lot of the respect the comes from, too. Yeah, because they he didn't... He, in the Westboro Baptist Church. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. That was the video, yeah. Yes, he didn't just take... He didn't just stick to to music and, and, and having an impact there, but he, he was mutually respected in, in having... And using his voice um, for other things that were, were important as well. And uh, I, I like like you said, um, you know, to his family, to his friends, to his loved ones, to the people that just sat there and, and you know, vibe to his music. Um, you know, I think I think everyone 
anybody that uh, came in contact with him is, is in some way affected by by this uh, this news this week. So I uh, definitely hear you on that front. Um, I did want to, you know, are, are you guys are you guys Netflix guys? You guys watch a lot of Netflix? Oh yeah. I wouldn't say a lot of Netflix, but I I watch Netflix more than any other streaming service. So in that sense, I guess I am. <laughs> Last Kingdom fans, are you guys uh, into that? Last Kingdom never. never heard of that, okay, no. all right, okay, so. Here's yeah, the new series recommendation. Six and the six. We're just going to talk about Last Kingdom the entire time. <laughs> yeah, here's 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 your homework, boys. You got it. So it's on the fifth and final season, and they've cut it short. Ooh. Okay, they want to end it at five seasons. They're going to make a movie after this. Um, go watch it. Okay, we're wa- my wife and I are watching the final season right now, just go and watch it, it is uh, it's incredible. Like it's phenomenal. It, it'll it'll tear at your heartstrings. I think every season, every episode. Um, you know, and, and yeah, just if you get a chance, go watch it. If anybody else that's listening right now watches Lost Kingdom, definitely hit me up on Twitter and and send me your thoughts. Don't don't ruin this season for me yet, though. I'm not done it, um, but definitely uh, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, the other thing the I kingdom. wanted, to, what's that? It said sticks in the kingdom. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm looking at some of the pictures from IMDb, and it looks like a Game of Thrones kind it's, of Vikings vibe kind of thing. Okay, I'm gonna go. So Game of Thrones, the finale ruined it for me a little bit. Like the last season kind of ruined it for me a little bit. I'm going to go one step further and say that this is better than Game of Thrones. Better rile up the nerd community there. I haven't watched Game of Thrones before. So I haven't even, I haven't even watched Game of Thrones, but I know how big of a show that is. So I Mm -hmm. I feel like that, that's some pretty affectionate uh, words. Yeah, no, it's praising. Yeah, I, I, I was a big fan of it. I still am. Um, I, I loved Game of Thrones, but I, I think Last Kingdom just has a different, different vibe to it. And uh, I, it, for me, it's, it's really enjoyable. So um, the other thing I wanted to mention last week, we talked about jerseys. Obviously, Alex, you know, you picked up one of the, uh, the, the next gen jerseys, and. I was thinking about why I am so reluctant to go out and buy a next gen jersey right now, and I they're think not on it's sale. is there is out. there no? I think it's I think it's something <laughs> called like jersey phobia. Okay, I, I I made this term up myself because <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna go out and buy a jersey for somebody and they're gonna they're gonna be gone, they're gonna they're they're gonna leave, <laughs> and I I know, I know that I know the. <laughs> the news about Matthews potentially one day running to Arizona and playing for his hometown team and blah, blah, blah. I know a lot of that is BS. Seat arena. Yeah. I know a lot of that, especially now that they're playing at ASU. I know a lot of that's BS, but I don't have a Matthews Jersey. And I think there's a little bit of a phobia there that I'm going to go out and buy this. And all of a sudden he's going to, he's going to bolt. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I was just, Forbes, I'll tell you right now that I'm already I'm already fucked if that's the case because I did not waste any time. There was no hesitation for me. I just, uh, it, you know what? And you, I, it's funny because I just came in blank jersey, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. I was, I was gonna say that you could do that, but I yeah. guess if you're worried, that's what I was gonna do. I, I thought you were worried about. Um, I thought you were just worried about players leaving after this season. If this is a, if this is a big picture fear that whoever you get is gonna leave at some point, that's then. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you because I just kind of Vernon Wells right there after he signed his multi-million dollar uh, contract. <laughs> Purchased that one, got the got the uh, um, uh, Tom Cheek patch on it and everything, and mm-hmm. then uh, when got it signed at a at a special signing for ticket holders, and uh, got it all framed up. And two years later, he was gone. So, Jesus, yeah, yeah, it's a phobia. I'm pretty sure it's a phobia. 
I might be honestly if it's not in the dictionary among different types of phobias then it should be because i think he just came up with it right there's um, a pho- it, it's a real it's a real thing like i went through the same thing a couple of years ago and obviously the, the stakes weren't as high but this is right when i started kind of kind of following baseball and taking it seriously and i bought a jay's jersey and i was like mm. this was at the time when their their roster was you know bautista donaldson edwin all these old guys so i was like i know that none of these guys are going to be here longer than three years from now so um, and ironically enough, the two players that I ended up debating between were, um, Aaron Sanchez and Roberto Osuna. And I'm glad I didn't buy Osuna's jersey for obvious reasons. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, Sanchez, Sanchez, I ended up going with him, but again, the year after the year after I bought the jersey, he just completely shit the bed and then they ended up trading him. So yeah. I, I'm a little worried about that too, but I figured yeah. Matthews was a safe enough, safe enough bet. And honestly, even if he does end up being, you know, leaving and going to Arizona or whatever, whatever we're all worried about, even if that does end up happening, I think that just because it was that Leafs and Drew collab, it, it, it makes sense that it's Matthews. Because if nothing else, you can look back and remember, you know, how fucking Matthews was best friends with Justin Bieber. And just yeah. like, I, the way I saw it, like, I don't normally like splurge on something that's like 300 bucks like that and buy it instantly. But I was just, the way I thought, the way I looked at it was I'm basically getting two jerseys for 300 bucks. So yeah. Yeah, no, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and and you know what, um, this is this is a call to Austin Matthews. Stay with Toronto. Play your entire career with Toronto. Nah, make stay it in on- Toronto. Stay in Toronto so the sticks and the six boys jerseys don't go, um, don't well, go obsolete. And, and you know how, why he's gonna nice stay? Though. Go ahead, Peter. I was just gonna say, you know why he's gonna stay? That video that he did with, or you know, the whole Drew House thing with Justin Bieber in attendance on Twitter, and then you see them hug after each other like they're best buds. Case in point, he ain't leaving. Well, I was going to say it'd be, because nice, of it'd be nice to get one more statue on Legends Row at some point. Um, and, you know, you, you stay here. I think, I think you've got that secured. But, um, yeah, I mean, speaking of Justin Bieber, guys, uh, as we get into hockey talk here, uh, his concert in Montreal the other night, um, <laughs> and he asked the Montreal fans, what about those Leafs? And then how's that playoff spot look for you? And got booed. I think I became the biggest <laughs> Justin Bieber fan in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Still don't like the music, but yeah, y- 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 I mean, just based on that alone, that trolling was just tier one trolling. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and the best place to do it for sure, aside from maybe Boston. But um, with that, let's let's get into some some Maple Leafs talk here, boys. Uh, started off with uh, Abruzzi, uh, or Abruzzese, Abruzzi. I'm thinking prison break here. Abruzzi, Jesus. <laughs> Dash one, right off the hop. Abruzzese signs his entry-level contract. I was just about to say, Forbes, should we, should we do the news now or should we just let it wait a little bit longer? What's that? Oh, you know, then don't we have some news? So, oh, yeah, for our, our, uh, our show. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we can, we can mention it now. We, we obviously are going to be talking about it a little <laughs> bit later. Uh, we're going to do a mid-show, mid-show read here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, boys, uh, we've been at this now for mm. Peter and I two years. Alex jumped on this season um and uh it started off as a pandemic podcast where we you know sit in the basement and just talk hockey and uh we've built quite a quite a following and uh recently uh draft kings reached out to us and and wanted to uh collab and and uh create a partnership for uh the next few episodes here um and uh you know put a little put a little green in our pocket so that's always nice and um, you know, it, yeah. it kind of goes to show you that, uh, what we've got going here is, is something special. And so, yeah, we, for the next five episodes, you're gonna hear us and, and see us on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff, just 
pushing DraftKings and pushing our uh, our promo code. So definitely uh, make sure you guys check that out. We'll 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 do a little ad read a little later in the show. Uh, but yeah, it's promo code sick sit six. So S I T six. Um, and, and sign up as it's coming to Ontario very, very soon. So congratulations to all of us uh, for getting some shit done here. I will um, drink a little bit of water to that. That's right. Afternoon podcast recordings require water, not beer. <laughs> <laughs> as we um, all take a big swig of water. That's right. Maybe, that's if we right. Ever get, maybe if we ever get to the point where none of us have proper day jobs anymore and this is our whole thing, then we can we can start – having wobbly pops in the middle of the afternoon, but unfortunately it's not going to fly for the rest of the day for all all three of us. So that's right. Let's dream big. Let's dream big and get to that point. How about that? Yeah. Um, Anyways, jumping into the leaf talk boys, Abruzzese signs his entry level contract. I was, the story was broken open by a friend of the show, Nick Richard, um, who, uh, you know, in some aspects didn't get enough credit for, for breaking that story a day earlier than anybody else, but two year entry level contract, uh, obviously, his season's done in the NCAA. Um, Peter, what's your take on Abruzzese and potentially getting some ice time with the NHL club? Um, yeah, I mean, fantastic signing. I mean, just another terrific career or season that he had at uh, Harvard. I remember, you know, when he first, I, I remember when he was drafted from the USHL. I had to do some research because I didn't really, I wasn't really scouting that league as much but when i saw him and i heard the reviews about his work ethic his tenacity his ability to just go in and battle nonstop, despite the size i thought okay maybe they got someone special on their hands and the fact that he had a dominant freshman season he kind of matched that this season didn't play in his second uh because of the pandemic but you know 33 points in 28 games is just absolutely phenomenal captaining uh harvard and you know obviously his season was cut short because of you know, getting eliminated, but this opened up an opportunity for him. And the Maple Leafs thought it was a great chance for him to get some NHL time. And, you know, um, they have, they, they have, they see something in them. They wouldn't be doing this if they didn't have any faith or belief that he could come in and make a significant impact. And, you know, Elliot Freeman talked about Abersazian and I signing when their seasons are done. And I was hoping that maybe you would see him in Boston right away, but I think it was probably the right choice not to play him because we all saw what happened and, you know, get him a little bit more uh, comfortable at the pro level, get him some reps in, and hopefully maybe against the Winnipeg Jets, he may slot in or whenever he keeps the sides, that's his call. But I, I actually think it's going to be great. I think he injects that speed, that energy, the tenacity that he has, despite not being overly physical. He has good body positioning. He has good possession like a really solid possession style that he plays. And I just can't wait to see what he can do here. He's, he's showing a lot of promise. Yeah, Alex, I mean, a uh, different road to the NHL had a started off with one of maybe the most productive USHL teams in the Chicago steel uh, finished 2018, uh, 19 with 80 points in 62 games, went on to two years at Harvard, 44 points in 31 games in his first year and uh, 33 points in 28 games uh, to close out this year. What are your thoughts on Abruzzese and, and do you see him slotting into the lineup with, with how much, you know, forward depth the Leafs have right now? Yeah, I think he definitely is going to get a shot in the lineup over the next couple of days. Uh, I don't think it's going to come against Winnipeg on Thursday, just because you remember last time the Leafs played Winnipeg, there was some, there was some bad blood to say the least. And I, similar oh, yeah. to what Peter said about how they, it's probably a good thing they didn't put him in the lineup against Boston. I feel like it's more of the same thing against Winnipeg. Um 
although for you know for the Jets, you know them beating the Leafs early on this year was already their Stanley Cup. So I don't even know why they're bothering showing up to playing this game. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, I think I, I think Abrazzese's gonna um, he, he's gonna add something on the fourth line. You know, I remember when Nick Robertson was being played there. I hated the fact that he was on that fourth line because, you know, for a guy with his skill set and his tools, like he's got, or I would say arguably he's got one of the better shots on the team. Um, and, you know, he, he's not really known as the defensive stalwart or anything. So I think wasting him for four minutes on the fourth line per night just didn't really do anything for him or the team. But Abrazzese, on the other hand, I think that his style of game and like as you mentioned, his work ethic and his tenacity, Peter, I think he's one of those players who can, um, he can make something of himself in the bottom six and it'll come a little bit easier than it might with, with other players. So yeah, I'm looking forward to see him get a, sh- or seeing him get a shot. And I think on top of that as well, I'm excited that he's, he's locked up to an entry level contract now. So next year he can play for the Marlies. And I think, um, I, I, I mean, obviously we're going to see a little bit of what he's made of in these, in, in these few uh, NHL games that he gets, but for next season, I think we're really going to get a good look at what kind of player he is and how he translates to the pro level and what we can expect from him in the future. So yeah, I'm glad they signed him. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you guys. I think, uh, you know, if you're going to get him into the lineup this year, you know, slot him maybe even on the third line, just give him like 10 minutes, see what he's got, uh, see what he can, he can do with some of those third line guys um, and, and give him an opportunity. I mean, Obviously, you're not going to play him, you know, 10 plus games at this point. But uh, if you can get him in there and just and, and give him a taste of what it's going to be like, um, you know, he's a smaller guy. Right. So uh, I, I get again against Winnipeg, probably not the best idea. I think uh, that's going to be a pretty, pretty active game when it comes to the physical side of the game. Um, you know, I think Boston and Winnipeg are, are going hand in hand and in, in trying to get the, the label as the dirtiest teams in the league right now. So um, but uh, yeah. I'd like to see him slot in for a few games and, and see what he's, he's made of. And, and uh, you know, worst case, he goes down to the Marlies and, and gets an opportunity there. But this is a perfect opportunity for the Leafs to, you know, rest some of these big guys heading into the playoffs and, and giving them an opportunity to maybe, you know, heal some of those battle wounds over the last couple of games. I know, I know JT took a nice little uh, cross check at the end of the second uh, last night against Boston. So maybe an opportunity there to, to give him a, a game off or something like that. But uh, just, it gives, it gives the, the um, coaching staff a few more options here with, with Abrazzese coming in. So uh, yeah, I think it's a great signing. Uh, Nick Richard, obviously, as I mentioned, broke the story. Um, so credit to him for, for getting, yes. getting that out there, but uh, yeah, two year entry level contract, see what this kid's made of. Um, you know, he's been talked about a lot. So, uh, let's see, let's see what he can do. Um, speaking of the Maple Leafs depth at forward, McKay have got a promotion to the second line. Nylander saw a little bit of the third line. Um, not so much. I, I think, I think Leaf Twitter spoke again and, and, you know, the Nylander needed a little bit of a boost. And, and, uh, if that came in the, in the form of a demotion, I think, you know, that's what you need to do. But I still, I, I'm still at the point where I'm, I'm looking at Nylander's numbers this year and saying like 6.9 million. I mean, I'm not complaining. Um, Alex, what do you, what are your thoughts on, on Nylander's demotion and McKay of how he looked on that second line? I'm pretty sure I read a quote from a couple of months ago. I don't remember when it was, but it was when Nylander was having struggles earlier on. And I'm pretty sure I read something along the lines of the fact that Nylander likes being pushed by Keith like this. So I think that explains why, you know, he's always the one facing demotions and why he's always the one that's being 
um, I won't say outed to the media, but like, you know, Keith does name drop him when he doesn't like what he sees from Nylander. And if you notice, it's never, yeah, we, we don't like what we're seeing. It's, we don't like what we're seeing, but we know that he can get back to a level that we like what we're seeing at. So we know he can get there. We're going to work with him to get there. So it's not like he's in the Mike Babcock doghouse of, Hey, go fuck off. Think about what you did and I'll decide when to bring you out. And if, if I even want to. So yeah, I don't really think it's much of an emotion. I actually think that him and Engvall have found some pretty good chemistry on that third line. You know, I, I think Nylander's looked a lot better over those couple of games. I think towards the end of that little stretch that he had on John Tavares' wing, it, it almost felt like they were both sort of so, – I don't know what – I don't know how to call it, but it looked like they were – it looked like they were both sort of just like playing without purpose. Like they, you saw them kind of like they didn't, they were both playing and they weren't really clicking on a, on a chemistry level wise. They weren't really, their passes weren't connecting. You could just tell that that second line needed a shakeup. And I understand not wanting to break up the first line because obviously the first line has just been doing sheer damage in the calendar year. Um, so why not give him a shot on the third line? And I mean, it has worked over the past couple of games. I, I don't think it's going to be like that in the long run. I feel like Willie's eventually going to end up back on Johnny's wing. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's another one of those things that worked for both him and the team. Um, I, I, I don't think that Keith just singles Willie out because he hates him more than the other players. I think that I, I think there's a connection there and Willie's told him in the past, like, Hey, if I start slipping, like, you know what, you know what you need to do to get me back into gear. And uh, if that, if that is truly the case, then uh, I'm, I'm glad that he did that because it seems like he's playing a little bit better lately. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, and Peter, like I mentioned, 24 goals and 60 points in 66 games, not, not really struggling per se. I mean, he's, he's cooled off over the last little bit, but still not by any means struggling. Um, what are your thoughts on him getting bumped down and do you see him being there long-term or do you see him going back to, to JT's wing and, and uh, reuniting that second line for the Maple Leafs heading into the playoffs? Well, he's just one point shy of tying his career best of 61 points and he's already surpassed his goal total and he's nearing that assist to, uh, that assist total so he's going to surpass this is going to be a career year for him and i understand the defensive deficiencies and we, we saw that you know poor positioning on uh, on that davis of goal where he was very very slow and like two or three steps behind him to get in position and, and he lost track of it and nylander owned up to it post game saying that he should have had that and that was you know that was probably the difference maker so he realized his mistake i mean he's calling himself out he did he, he doesn't need keith at this point i think he realized now that you know Everyone is going to say, and Alex, yeah, I did. I did see the same thing where he does need to get pushed by Keith and keep Keith, Keith and keep him in line, you know, to try and you know be, be pushed every single time. And to me, some players just act differently, or like their mentality is different, and maybe they need that to be kept in line so that they don't stray apart from what the main goal is. And everyone's going to be like saying, oh, well, he doesn't need to because he's a pro player right now. He's been in the league long enough, making seven million. He should know better fair but at the same time everybody works differently you know it, it, it all depends on like they need to have that dynamic and Alex again you pointed out to the Mike Babcock era um Mike Stevens from the hockey news wrote a really great piece about how everything about this fan base and all the decisions is rooted through that and he talks about William Nylander and the nuance when you know he's good when he's great when he's great but when he's bad it's very noticeable so I mean, I, I, I think I think this is just another step in, you know, his career where maybe he just needs to find his find that consistency. 
And for him to be sent a message like that, where, you know, he said, you're not good enough. You're, you're going to get demoted. McCann has been playing great. Move him on up. And even on that line with Tavares, he showed the consistency that needed to be there. And as soon as he got demoted, you start to see that, you know, competitive edge in Elander's game start to increase. You saw that against the Florida Panthers. You saw that drive against the Boston Bruins where Nylander typically, typically wouldn't make that um, over the past few seasons, but he did at the beginning of the season. So you, as soon as he made that drive and Riley potted in that loose puck, that's the game that we wanted to see William Nylander at. And he even came back, tied some sticks up and, you know, created turnovers and regained possession. That's what we want to see. That's the consistency. And especially against a team like the Boston Bruins where you know you got to be sharp. Nylander answered the call. So whether he still keeps them on that third line because he does have the speed to keep up with uh, Camp and Engvall, great. But if he sees the improvement and he bumps him back up, so be it. Yeah, no, I, I think he's going to be back up there, no problem. I think, you know, when it comes down to it, he's just had a little bit of, uh, you know, he's been, he's been struggling a little bit in certain aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. The, the scoring touch is still there. I mean, he's still his shooting percentage 11.4 this season, his career shooting percentage 11.5. So he's right on pace for what he normally does. Right. Uh, and as you mentioned, he's, he's on pace for, for a career year. Um, his numbers are, are there. I mean, if you look at the league and see where he's sitting at 60 points compared to, you know, some other teams like third top scorer, right? you know, or fourth, I think he's fourth on the lease right now. Um, I mean, like it, he's right in line with what he's expected to do for the money that he's making for, for P- remember he's 25 years old. And for Peter, you mentioned him coming out and saying, yeah, you know what? I screwed up on that play. That's the maturity that we didn't see early on in William yes. Nylander's career. That's the mm-hmm. leadership that we didn't see early yep. on in Nylander's career. Now we're starting to see that. And I think the growth of that player, he's, he's every player is going to have their struggles. Not every player is the most consistent player in the league. I mean, yeah, we're fortunate. We get to see guys like, you know, Matthews who go out there on a nightly basis and, and, and put up the numbers that he does. Marner's had his struggles. Um, you know, it's funny, Alex, you mentioned the uh, Mike Babcock uh, doghouse, and all I could see was like a Snoopy type house with Mitch Marner's name over top of the doorway. Um, <laughs> and that's all I could think about when, when you said that, but just lying on it was top Nylander of the and Marner. They both, they, they were, they were roommates in there. Yeah, exactly. I know they had like a little divided line down the middle. You stay on this side. I'll stay on this side. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I, I could see Nylander jumping back up very quickly. I think, you know, he's going to, he's going to get back to what he was doing. And I think J, they needed a little shakeup. JT wasn't doing what he was expected to do. Nylander wasn't expect doing what he expected to do. I think there was a couple of moments in, in the last couple of weeks where um, Nylander kind of rolled off some checks and, and looked a little soft on those plays mm-hmm. and, you know, didn't take the contact to make the play. And um, I'm all for rolling off checks if you can still get the play made. Uh, I think there was a couple moments where, you know, he gave up the puck and, and rolled off a check. And I think that's, you know, that's a little disappointing to see because that's going back to what he was, you know, early on in his career. Um, but that said, I, I, you know, Nylander's been one of the top players, one of the most consistent players for the Leafs over the last two seasons. Um, and, and I can guarantee you when it comes down to the playoffs and it comes down to the grind, he's going to be right up there again with, uh, with the points. So, um, I'm not worried about Nylander. I, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for Mikheyev, but I think Mikheyev works really well with, with Kampf and, uh, um, you know, obviously when Kasha's in the lineup with Kasha as well. So, um, yeah, I, I can't see this being a long-term change. Um, but 
you know, it, it is what it is. I think every once in a while, some of these young players still need wake up calls. So I think it's a great move by Keefe and, and we'll see how it plays out moving forward. Um, the Leafs over the last week, uh, I, I should say the last couple weeks, we mentioned, uh, I want to say three or four episodes ago, Justin Hall talking about, yeah, we play down to, you know, the level of some of these bottom feeding teams. And yet again, they did that uh, against Montreal, who was the first team elim- officially eliminated from the playoff contention. Um, and, and they end up losing to Montreal. And it's, I, I went back to that, that comment and I thought to myself, well, like if this is the mentality, um, something needs to change because you, we saw them against Florida come out and have a hell of a game. We saw them come out against uh, Boston last night and have a hell of a game. So what is, what is in their head that when they go out against teams, like, are they just not getting up for these games or what is it? Like, I'm, I'm not sure. Peter, like, what are you seeing in these games against these bottom feeding teams that Toronto just doesn't seem to get it done? I mean, that's a really good question. I, I, <laughs> I wish I had a really solid answer, but I mean, that comment it literally is reflective of their way that you see when they play against top tier teams, although they're, they, they do struggle at times, you know, there was one game where, you know, they had a solid outing against St. Louis, they allowed them back in, but they fought their way back to win it. Then there was a home game against St. Louis where they didn't quite match it up, but you know what? St. Louis is a good team. You can understand why there was that even match for one game. And then the other game, St. Louis answered back with the Leafs and, you know, teams in the bottom of the standings, I, I just have no clue. I don't know why that should be your go-to mentality because points are points. You, you don't, you shouldn't play down to the level. You want them to play up to your standards. And as a standard for the Maple Leafs right now, they are a top tier team in the league. There is no doubt about that. You compare them. I mean, look at their goals for, the points percentage, everything, the way that they play with the high pace, it's fantastic. I mean, they just went back-to-back wins against two top-tier teams in the Panthers and Bruins. Two losses against the Vancouver Canucks were very poor outings. Two losses at the Buffalo Sabres, very poor outings. One outing against Arizona, they just got goalie by Vimelka, but then the second game, you know, had a very poor start in due part to Peter Morazic. Shogun came in, and they got their act together. But they still kind of played down and sat back. The granted, goalie didn't help out. Those are five games right there. And even the Montreal Canadiens, that game, yeah, they outshot them. But then again, that second period was a defensive disaster. And there are a lot of people saying, oh, they outshot them. They outchanced them. Great. Doesn't excuse the fact that they allowed them back in at the second period and played horrible defense. It doesn't change the fact. Those... what I'm, what I'm trying to figure out is, or trying to get a grasp on is, those are those six games right there. That is 12 points up for grabs. Imagine if Toronto got at least eight or 10 of those points out of the 12, because let's face it, losses do happen. I'm not going to deny that. They had eight more points, or I'm going to be fair. Let's just say they have six, had six more points in those games. They would be well ahead of Tampa and creeping up on Florida for the top of the division. They wouldn't be in this logjam where they are right now, where it's like a two, three, or like one, two game spread between second and the first wild card spot. They need to figure this out because, yeah, you play well against the best, but you got to play against the worst too. I mean, this league is no slouch, it's no easy 
out every single time, you got to be at your best. And I don't know why they do that consistently. I wish I had an answer, but it just really is frustrating because like we said, meaningful points are on the line at every point of the season, including right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you mentioned it. There's so much parity in the NHL now with the, the salary cap, the way it is. Um, it's, it's, there, there really is no easy out. And especially with some of these teams like Montreal with some young guys like Suzuki and Caulfield and Caulfield, I mean, he's been up for what a year, not even, and he's already a leaf killer. Like, um, Mm -hmm. it just, it goes to show you what some of these guys, you know, are made of. And, um, Alex, I mean, we, we've talked about goaltending. We've talked about the defense this year. We've talked about the forwards this year where's the breakdown happening or is it a, is it a complete team effort when they they go up against some of these you know maybe lower end teams i think it's a complete team effort because every time the leafs have a game like this against a, an arizona or a buffalo or a montreal or whatever like i don't remember the last time the leafs lost to one of these teams and it was like okay, they went out and they did their hardest. They had some super bad luck. The other team played a great game. Like a lot of the time, it's just the Leafs not showing up. And it's like, it it literally is what Justin Hall says. Like it's, you know, they take what he says and they, they, they do it like they take it literally. And they're like, okay, so now that, now that Hall's essentially blown our worst kept secret, we may as well just keep living up to it because why not? Like everyone knows now, but that's literally what it is. They like, you know, they see a team that they should be completely capable of beating and it's almost like they just take it eat. like, and I don't want to say they don't try or anything like that. Like, I, I feel like these guys are probably embarrassed about getting, you know, getting their shit rocked by teams like Montreal and Buffalo who are in the race for Shane Wright. But at the same time, like, you notice that these last two games when the Leafs have actually had something to play for, like they, like, you know, that game against Boston was the definition of a statement game. Mm-hmm. That game against Florida was also the definition of a statement game. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet that I put out, but, you know, they beat Florida when Florida had won, like, nine of their last 11 games, I think it was. Yeah. And they beat Boston when Boston came in having won 14 of their last seven. Or Sorry, that, that, the math doesn't add up there. 14 of their last 17 games. So it's just like, like, like the, when the Leafs have something to show up and, like, they, you know, the, the pressure's on them and they know the win's not going to come easy – they come and they play some of the best hockey we've ever seen, but for whatever reason against the lower level teams, they can't get it done like that. And obviously, you know, you can sit here and make jokes like I do sometimes and say, Oh, well, you know what? Um, They're not going to have to play Montreal or Buffalo or Arizona in the playoffs. So there's no worry about that, but you got to shed that mindset as soon as Mm -hmm. possible. And you got to understand that. Yes. Like (laughs) obviously, you know, the, you know, no one's going to be, looking if the Leafs lose to say whoever, I don't know, Florida or Tampa Bay in the playoffs this year, no one's going to be looking back at those games against Buffalo and being like, Oh, well uh, we should have saw or truthfully. I don't know where I'm going at this point. I, I just think that the Leafs need to stop. They need to, they, they, they need to stop treating any of these games different from each other. Like you're, you're playing in the NHL. Like there's no reason that this team should be two, five and one against Florida. Or I, I think it's Montreal, Buffalo and Arizona. Like there's no reason that they should be, two, five, and one. So I guess that's where I'll leave my point right there. I, I, I think that it is a team mentality thing because we've seen this team come out and play some of the best hockey, some of the best team-based hockey over these past two games against teams that, you know, they're right in the thick of a playoff battle against. And, you know, where, where does it – I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it at that. No, I, I think you're, you're right on, on point there. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a mentality, right? And, and you know, it, it – you can see with, with where you were going with that point. I mean, it, it kind of messes with everybody's head because you don't know 
how to lock down what what's going through their heads in those games. I mean, you're right. They don't want to, they don't want to come out of, you know, the, the heritage classic and be like, yeah, that was a shit effort. But I mean, realistically it was a shit effort, right? Like you can't put that all on Morazic. Yeah. Yeah. It's in bad moments, but it wasn't all on Morazic. And I think that's what, you know, that's what's scary about this team because they can go into the playoffs and maybe they go down to nothing against, let's say Florida. All of a sudden, if they go into that mentality, well, you know, it's all, it's all done. It's done Two two nothing. We're down, uh, we're down two games, nothing. They're going to, they're going to go into this mentality of just shutting it down. And, and that's the problem. You need to have that strong mentality. You should be aiming every season to go 82, 82 and 0. And then, you know what? You, you lose game. Okay. We're going to go 81 and one. That should be your mentality every single game. And I'm not saying that it's not. I'm saying that there are lapses right now. And that's against those teams that you should be winning against. There, like, there's no excuse to have that record that you mentioned. There's absolutely no excuse. You've probably one of the most premier players in the entire league. Um, you have a guy who should be you know, a top 10 player in Mitch Marner. And they're playing with each other and you guys can't get it done. You've got, you've got a rookie who's putting up, you know, incredible numbers with those two guys. Your top line is arguably one of the best lines in the game right now. And you should not be losing against those teams. You have a defense that is um, capable. Yeah. You know, the, the addition of geo is, is great, but I mean, prior to that, I mean, you had Jake Muzzin, you had Justin Hall who, two years ago was a standout on defense. Um, you know, Morgan Riley, he's a top end defenseman. So there's really no excuse to get this stuff done. It, it's, it's, you know, getting that mentality out of your head that, Hey, you know, we're going up against Montreal tonight. Maybe I'll have a, an extra 20 minute nap in the afternoon and, and we'll see how we do tonight. That's not that you got to get out of that. You got to get that away from you, especially going into the playoffs where, you know, you, you haven't been able to make it out of the first round. You're going in as an underdog, regardless of you could, you could win the division. You're still going in as an underdog at this point. And it all comes down to mentality. When you get in there, it's all mental. It's a, it's a mental game. I, you know what though? I want the Leafs to embrace that underdog mentality. If it's going to stick with them, regardless of where they finish in the the seating, I want them to embrace that mentality and, and, and use that when they're in the playoffs, because I think last year, a picture perfect example of, you know, playing down your, your opponent's level burn them and, and, and eliminate them out of the first round. You know, Montreal, their, their record was below 500 heading into the playoffs. So I'm sure it was easy for the Leafs to look at the fact that, you know, Matthews had 41 goals in 51 games or whatever it was. Um, you know, you can look at the fact that Mitch Marner finished top five in points, same as Matthews. You can look at Jack Campbell's Vezina run and then look at that Montreal Canadiens team and be like, well, shit, this should be a cakewalk. And look, it, it should have been a cakewalk, but it wasn't because they did they they were playing down to their opponent's level, just like Hall said they were. So they didn't they um, didn't even have Ben Sherrod in the lineup, and that was your that was your tough yeah. defenseman that was that was basically the blockade along with Shea Weber. They had neither one of those guys in the lineup. Yep, when they, they didn't have Carey Price Sh- in the lineup. Yeah, when they played against Ben Sherrod and the and the Florida Panthers, whole different scenario. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I I don't get it. I don't get it. And I'm kind of glad that Sheldon Keith even said that, you know, post deadline that they control their own destiny right now mm-hmm. with, well, back then it was like 20 games. There's about 16 remaining right now. They know what's happened in the past. They know what they need to do. This is all entirely up to you on how you want to dictate the play going into the playoffs. And I'm glad he said that because that should be the mentality going forward. 
Do you mm-hmm. want to be known as a team that will just bow down in the first round? Or do you want to be something known more for that? And I'm glad he took that and said that because this team needed a real, like a real jolt to try and get them in the right direction. Yeah. Well, um, boys, I think with, you know, the last 15, 16 games to go here in the season, I think it's a safe bet. If the Leafs are going up against a sub 500 team, uh, you could probably put some money down on, uh, on the Leafs uh, taking the loss. And with that, uh, we'll, we'll throw it over to a quick word from our sponsors, DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino is coming soon to Ontario. Soon you'll be able to legally bet on all your favorite sports ranging from UFC to hockey to playoff hoops and so much more. And that's not all. What if we told you the hottest new casino will be available right from your phone? DraftKings has all the latest features and promotions ranging from daily odds, boosts, and uh, to bet in class casino games and so much more. Soon you'll be able to, to place a same gate game parlay score daily odds boosts and play your favorite slots games anytime anywhere in the province DraftKings is safe secure and reliable best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want get excited Ontario DraftKings Sportsbooks and Casino is on the way while you wait check out DraftKings and now tell them that we here at Sticks in the Six sent you using our promo code SIT6 that's S-I-T-6 Promo code SIT6. DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino coming soon to Ontario. If you have a gambling gambling problem or know somebody that does, call 1-866-531-2600. Must be 19 plus to play. Physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Subject to successful AGCO registration and execution of an operating agreement in iGaming Ontario. There you go, boys. First ad read of the Sticks read. in the Six era. Um, yeah, so everybody, check Beautiful. out DraftKings. A uh, lot, a lot of great opportunities there coming to Ontario very, very soon. Um, and with that, last little bit here of Leaf Talk, guys. I'm going to throw all these last three talking points into one section because mm-hmm. uh, it, it kind of all has to do with everything. I want to yeah. talk about the Boston game. We can, we can make this widespread. We can. We can be those whiny Leaf fans that, you know, everybody's talking about on Twitter. But this is a league-wide issue. And one of the main points that Dubis uh, mentioned um, about the GM meetings or day one of the GM meetings this past week was that officiating, everything's, everything's all right. Everything's good. We're excellent. Um, it's not sound very reassuring though. It's not even close. It's not even close. <laughs> and you could, I mean, you could see the sarcasm on his face. You could yeah. see the sarcasm or you could hear the sarcasm in his voice. Uh, and I mean, Bo- the game against Boston last night was a perfect example of what, what he's talking about and what, why this needs to be a conversation league wide, not just surrounding the Maple Leafs, but league wide. Um, and, and I'll give it, I'll give it to some of the people on, on Twitter saying that, you know, the comparisons to Steve Moore and, and Todd Bertuzzi is, is asinine. I, I agree. I, I, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is, and, and Alex, you had a great thread and it, I don't know if you can pull that up and just kind of read it. Cause yeah, I will, I was already um, going to do that. It was, it was <laughs> easily the best thread of all of it. You brought up every point that somebody could argue and you shut it down and, the fact is, like Taylor Hall, I mean, that was some some 
piss baby bullshit, that reaction to an, a, a clean hit along the boards. Labushkin is known for his hard hits and you, you, you grab him and pull him. And, and in that instant, Taylor Hall dropped his stick to make sure that he had every ability to hold Labushkin back while he punched him in the face. On top of that, Brandon Carlo comes around, jabs him with his stick while he's laying on the ground. Not a lot of people are talking about that. And we go from that to Taylor Hall getting a $5,000 fine. And while Alex is looking for his thread here, I'm going to throw it to Peter because I know you said you had a lot to say about it. And I'm about to go off the rails, so I'll let you take it away first, Peter. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm just trying to find a tweet that uh, Mike, again, mentioned it before, Mike Stevens mentioned I'll, I'll try to find it later and like bring it back up but i think it was um joe haggerty from the boston globe and he just went <laughs> uh, so alex knows what i'm talking about yep. um it's, it's an absolute joke with a five thousand dollar fine and yeah it, it definitely wasn't as bad or nowhere near as bad as the steve moore incident but it was a sucker punch in the head like labushkin was not aware of it at all taylor hall comes up behind him and then just gives him a whack to the back of the head that's the definition of a sucker punch. You don't like it, take it up with I, I don't know I don't know who to take it up. I say take it up with player safety, but they can't even do their job properly. Um, the fact that he got five thousand dollars for that, it just basically says that the NHL is okay with players doing that. To me, a fine is absolute bullshit. It does absolutely nothing to try and curtail anything. You want to send a message, suspend them. And again, Going back to the win- to the Heritage Classic, not even five minutes had passed, and the NHL already had, or I believe it was Chris Johnson saying that you know the NHL is already Austin awesome Matthews already has a hearing with player department safety for his cross check on Darlene. Game wasn't even over, and yet Taylor Hall just gets a fine. Taylor Hall has a history. Austin Matthews didn't. Matthews gets suspended. Hall gets a fine. There is no consistency. There is no accountability it's just an absolute joke right now and matt larkin who's now with uh daily faceoff said 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 this can we stop pretending fines are punishments taylor hall will forfeit 0.0001 percent of his salary this season if you're a fifty thousand dollar employee you were just fined fifty five dollars and fifty five cents instead of being suspended from work just say taylor hall was not punished and beyond with it he was not punished and to me, that's just an absolute joke. It's a slap in the face to what you're trying to get rid of. And I know, Alex, I saw the thread, uh, especially from the piece that Frank Saravalli said or wrote that, you know, NHL is trying to get rid of sucker punches. What happens? A sucker punch happens, and they totally drop the ball. It's an absolute joke. Alex, you want to you wanna take it away with that thread of yours? All right. I'm just going to go through this little this little thread that I put together of – basically just disputing every single excuse that anybody could possibly have over um, why Taylor Hall maybe, you know, got the, got the appropriate punishment here. Okay, so thread starts with this cool little article that I found from Frank Saravalli. Headline is, NHL aims to curb sucker punches on unwilling opponents. How, how, are, we, how are we doing with that, NHL? <laughs> Anyways, so you go through the thread here, and you're like, yeah, but well, Taylor Hall doesn't have a history. Oh, and you know what? To be fair... On paper, 
for the Department of Player Safety, he doesn't have a history because his one suspension was back in 2013. I get that. If you're going to go through all the excuses that I'm about to list right now, end up back at this one and use this one to dispute why he shouldn't have gotten suspended, then you're missing the point. My point is that Taylor Hall is not an angel. So, yeah, suspended two games for me and Cal Clutterbuck back in 2013. And you move on and you're like, oh, well, it's not like Labushkin was injured. So why does it? Oh, wait. Tweet from Maple Leafs PR. Maple Leafs defenseman Justin Hall and Ilya Labushkin will not return to tonight's game in Boston for precautionary reasons. You move on. Yeah, well, you know, the NHL never really suspends guys for sucker punch. Oh, hold on. Wait, what's this? Uh, Dylan Larkin suspended one game for sucker punch on Lightning's Matthew Joseph. Uh, Red Wings' Tyler Bertuzzi suspended two games for sucker punching Avalanche Matthew Shane. Montreal Canadiens' Max Domi suspended for sucker... Like, I can go down the list here. And then finally, you end up at the rule book, and it's like, oh, well, who knows if sucker punching is even in the rule book? Because at that point, you know, the refs are probably just calling things as they see fit. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me look at the rule book here. Section 15, or sorry, section 46, rule 15. Or, sorry, I think it's rule 46, section 15. A match penalty shall be assessed to a player who punches an unsuspecting or unwilling opponent, i.e. sucker punch, and causes an injury. He didn't even get a match penalty yesterday. That is the NHL, ladies and gentlemen. That is the NHL. You know, obviously, Leaf fans are going to lose their shit regardless of, you know, unless Taylor Hall got suspended for two games like Matthews did, I think Leaf fans would have been pissed off either way. But, you know, you literally can't paint Leaf fans for being upset about this because like you said Forbes and you know what Bruins fans I had some Bruins fans in my mentions that were calling me a pussy and shit and like saying oh well Lemuskin wasn't even hurt you want him to be you want him to be suspended for that and all that shit and it's like I you know what you can choose to believe that it's only Leaf fans that call out these issues but it's a league-wide thing everybody knows it's a league-wide thing everybody knows the Department of Player Safety is not at all consistent and that's their biggest issue so it's, it's infuriating when you go down the list of excuses like I just did there. And you can literally come up with a, a, a refute for all of them. And then you go down to what the, what the actual rulebook says, and it's more of the same shit. They, they, don't, like, they don't call games by their own rulebook. And I guess we already knew that because of the way that they manage games and call penalties and stuff. But, you know, it, it is really just telling when the NHL makes it so obvious that they're not following the rulebook. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. So... Yeah, I can sit here and talk about lack of consistency for the longest time, um, but I'm not going to. If you want, if you want my thoughts on it, you can go read that thread on my Twitter feed. I found that interaction with Joe Haggerty and Mike Stevens. So basically, and let's awesome. face it, I, 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 you don't want to call out like certain media outlets, but the Boston media are like very, very bias and you hear that with Jack Fucking Edwards joke, and all the broadcasts joke. with everything. And Joe Haggerty said that you know. Labushkin drills Hall from behind. No, it wasn't. It was a side-by-side hit, and it was full-on body contact. Um, he falls to the ice like a prone turtle when Hall pops up in the side of the, and pops him in the side of the head. Um, yeah, no, that did not happen. And Mike Stevens is just like, need a new prescription, Joe? Joe said, I'm not the one who needs glasses. And then Mike just replied back, so we've established that I can see what's your excuse. So it, it's like stop having this bias and just actually see what happened. That is legit what happened. Clean hit. Hall didn't like it. And he sucker punched him. What, what, what else do you need to know? Or what else do you need to say that like what happened went in a different direction? If it was actually a hit from behind, the Bushkin would have, would have drilled him 
in the numbers because let's face it, he is a tank. That was as soft as they could get, and that was probably like the softest hit that Lebushkin can't throw. That was the that was the definition of a cowardly play. Because it you was. already know that Taylor Hall would not have taken that swing at Labushkin if he was watching. You think oh, Taylor yeah. Hall would have walked up to the, the, the guy whose literal nickname is the Russian Bear? Do you think he would have gone up to him face-to-face, looking at his six foot two, 220-pound frame, and sucker-punched him like that? Do you think he not would have? a chance. Absolutely zero chance. He did it because he knew Labushkin wasn't watching and because it was a cheap play. There's no yeah. other way around it. It's, it's, cowardly. You know it's cowardly. It's cowardly. It, it is. It was cowardly. And Forbes, just before you open the floodgates, I do want to say, Peter, great, great point on the way that the Boston media has been talking about this because, man, apparently the Bruins, bod- the Bruins broadcast could not fathom, could not comprehend. Everyone is a fan of the Bruins except yeah. the opposing team. Mm-hmm. You can't, like, the Boston broadcast just could not comprehend for the life of them how Ilya Labushkin possibly could have been hurt there. Yeah. Honest to God, Jack, Brad Marchand could whip out, like, he could whip out a Glock on the ice and shoot one of his opponents in the face, and Jack Edwards' reaction would be, what a disgrace to the game of hockey! Get up off the ice! Get up off the ice and stop diving! Stop disrespecting a player like Brad Marchand! I'm so sick of that guy's voice and his face. I, I, I'm so sick of it. Anyways, go, go for it, Forbes. Say your piece. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys basically nailed it. Um, I think uh, Haggerty was tweeting that to Mike Stevens from Taylor Hall's hot tub. So, um, I mean, that, that, would, that would, you know, be pretty telling as to why he was, you know, basically – I don't even know if I can say it, but basically just It's just like, what, what happened to having an unbiased – like, obviously you represent the team, right? But you don't. You don't, you don't yeah. represent the team. The yeah. media outlets stopped representing the team in 1917. That's true. Yeah. Like you, you don't represent the team. You represent mm-hmm. where, where's your, where's your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fuck. Um, you have, you have a responsibility as, as a, as a member of the media, you have a yeah. responsibility to tell the truth and not spread misinformation. And when you go about, you know, spewing bullshit that, you know, Labushkin turtled, yeah. He, okay. You fucking turtle. Look at the stand. Look at the still photo. Look at the still photo of where, where Howell punched him. And, and somebody said that he reached around and got him with his fingertips. Come on. It was a full on fist. Come like, on. Be- and it was right in his chin from the side, from behind. Yeah. Come on. Look at, like, look at the history. Forget, forget Taylor Hall's suspension history for a second or, or, or supplemental discipline history. So we talked about Matthews, you know, getting the cross check in, he gets two games. Rasmus Dahlin wasn't injured on the play. In fact, Rasmus Dahlin also got a two minute uh, minor for, for cross checking. Yeah. So it was a provoked, uh, provoked incident. Okay. A penalized provoked incident in this play. Labushkin didn't get a minor for, for hitting uh, hall uh, because it was a clean hit. Um, players are taught now not to turn along the boards like hall did, which causes a more dangerous hit. Um, and then even from that point, prior to that, Matthews had 68 career penalty minutes. Okay. Taylor Hall has 408 career penalty minutes. This guy has a history of just being a fucking loser on the ice. All right. And, and maybe some of that came from his frustration for playing for the fucking Edmonton Oilers for however many years he played in that shithole. But 
now he's playing for a team where he wanted to be the secondary uh, go-to player. He didn't want to be the star. And somehow he still manages to find a way to lose his fucking temper because he's upset that he's down six fucking three and decides to make a bonehead fucking play that is dangerous to another player. Plays like that end careers, period. No, he didn't hit him hard enough because it's Taylor Hall and he can't fucking throw a punch. That's the only reason that Labushkin wasn't hurt more than he was. You you put somebody like, I don't know, um, even Jake DeBrusque. Throw Jake DeBrusque out there. He can throw a harder punch than Taylor Hall. You're talking about a completely different situation. You're fucking lucky that it was Taylor Hall that hit him. Because we'd be talking about something way different. And I want to bring up a tweet that I, I wrote um, where I said, um, you know, Labushkin was expecting that punch at, from Hall as much as Chris Rock was expecting the slap from Will Smith. I saw that. And in that instance, at the Oscars, we're talking about Will Smith p- potentially getting charged for assault and losing his Oscar. Okay. Chris Rock had to tell the police that he didn't want to file assault charges. And you're going to tell me that this is an okay hockey play. Not a fucking chance. So and again, I, I, I was, I was just going to go again and, and say, reiterate, like, just tell it like it is like, you don't need to sway an opinion one way or the other when there's clear video evidence of what actually happened. Like, video doesn't lie unless you actually take the time to Photoshop stuff. But then again, and that quick of an amount of time in 10 seconds where you get the clip back on the broadcast, it's really hard to manipulate something that quick. And I'll, hey, one word, one word to all those poopy diapers on uh, Twitter that decide to fucking throw it out that it's whiny Leaf fans. I'm a Leaf fan. I'd be happy with a $500,000 fine. Take half a million dollars. Teach them a fucking lesson. I don't give a shit. Don't suspend them. But teach him a lesson. Because what's he going to do? $5,000? Pennies. He's going to go out there and do it again. And I guarantee you, on April 29th, when Boston comes to Toronto, if you don't have Clifford and Simmons in that lineup to just fucking wreak havoc, at that point, I don't give a shit if you win the game. I'm throwing those two out there first first minute. They take that face off. They take that face off. And I don't care who they're up against, if it's Bergeron, if it's um, Marshawn, if it's Pasternak, and you're throwing a punch just the way that Taylor Hall did. And I want to see what the I want to see what the response is from the Department of Player Safety. Cause I can guarantee to you that it's not going to be a five thousand dollar fine. Yep. Anyways, that's all I have I to say. I can see that. No, if Toronto did that, no, if there was an actual line bro, I think every every one that Toronto would lined up, they would get suspended. And I think you would get a fine for, on Sheldon Key for putting everyone in that situation, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, well, guess what? You know what? They started it. Simple as that. It goes back to the whole Jason Spets of playing 1,200 games in the NHL and getting suspended five games for, you know, yeah, it was a blatant knee, but five games, I mean, a little much. A little much for a guy who has it zero history. Yeah, yeah. 100%. and everyone is going to say, "Oh, we're completely biased about the Leafs when they're in that situation." Um, no, we 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 thought Matthew should get something. We thought Jason Spezza should get something. It's just the inconsistencies where it's always a uh, where anything that happens to the Maple Leafs or like any situation where they're the victim of a hit or something like that, everyone gets away scot free. 
How is how is cross checking a guy in the helmet any different from punching a guy in the chin when he's not suspecting it? It is still 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 targeting the head. Yeah. Still Difference using. Is you have a weapon, or not necessarily a weapon, but your stick is. You know. Have have people been killed by fists? Absolutely. Yeah. You've got a weapon. That's true. You've got mm-hmm. a weapon. Like yeah. I, I'm not. I'm. There's no way. Nobody like there's nobody out there that's going to change my mind on this. I think it's complete bullshit. I think the Department of Player Safety is an absolute fucking joke. And I think you need to get George Peros, who's obviously got fucking CTE, out of there because he's he has no fucking idea what he's doing. He has zero idea what he's doing in that office. I think my favorite part about all of this is is that the non-Leaf fans out there and. Uh, you know, I won't say just non-Leaf fans, but like Leaf haters. I didn't want to use that term because it sounds kind of immature. But yeah, the Leaf haters out there, it, it's so funny how there's this massive disconnect where they not only think that, you know, this is the Leafs like getting off scot-free because they're the Leafs. They also seem to think the league is actively working with the Leafs. And it's just like, I don't understand how you can where look Where have they at been? Any- I know. I don't understand how you can look at anything – that's happened re- recently, objectively, and say, yep, the NHL's got a bias for the Leafs. If I, they I have don't a, see it. I was just about to say, if they have a bias for the Leafs, Austin Matthews would not have nine drawn penalties. He would be up there with McDavid. He would not be in the same category as Mason Appleton, Philip Hedo, Alex Iafalo, uh, Evan Bouchard. Ilya Labushkin has nine drawn penalties, and Austin Matthews has the same amount of him. Curtis Lazar, Frederick Goudreau, Michael McCarron. These are all third, fourth line players. And Austin Matthews, a top tier. Your top scorer. What is Your number one goal of, scorer in the league. The face of the NHL at this point. With all the like, you know, publicity, the games, everything. He has nine drawn penalties. How do you explain that? Like what bias is there for the Maple Leafs? There isn't. Look at all the missed calls during the past two, three months. There is no bias. And I, and I said this before, and like based on like, I, I can't remember what game it was, but I, I, I literally, it came out of me and it said, the, the rest are literally against the Maple Leafs. Because you call those plays against any other team, they're going to call them. When it's against the Maple Leafs, whole different story. That's my only bias right there, because there are so many bad calls. What's but crazy overall, for, Sorry. What's, a, I was just about to say, overall, it is a major league issue. Yeah, what's crazy about the whole thing is that Edmonton, you know, with all the penalties that they've drawn, Matthew or uh, McDavid with 44, and they still can't get into a playoff spot. Yeah, guys, just to kind of close out our Leaf talk here, um, obviously from that game, Justin Hall, Ilya Labushkin, and Peter Morazic all went down. Um, we won't get too deep into this as, you know, obviously, you know, going down the home stretch here, we need every all hands on deck. Uh, now you're Now you're sitting with, probably Eric Schalgren being your starter, maybe Michael Hutchinson getting a, a starter two in there, but Leafs are in, Leafs are in tight. And, and these last two games were, were big wins for them and uh, they needed every point from those two and they got the job done. So um, with that, uh, anything else you guys wanted to add to Leaf talk before we close it out here? Um, I do have a take about, sorry, Peter, you can go first if you want. Oh, no, I just want to say at least, the good news is they like they said that they were held out of the lineup, but it's for precautionary reasons. So that is in all the like you know debacle about the officiating and calling penalties and a sucker punch or whatever. That is the best news that we could have in terms of situations because we saw Hall and apparently Justin Hall got a penalty on the play from when he got hit. I don't understand how that's possible, but you know there that's was wrong. blood. 
and you know it, it you know it was a scary situation you hope that he was okay I, I they said that he wasn't coming back precautionary um Labushka and precautionary I think the worst case scenario is you know Peter Mrazek who is starting to get hot at the right appropriate time post deadline when all the you know attention was on him because of his poor play he started to turn things around and if it's something long term you hope that it doesn't repeat of what happened early on in the season where he was out for a time misses that comes back and he still struggles because he was absolutely on point the last few games Alex, you wanted to add something as well? Yes, I did. Uh, thanks for reminding me that I had a take. Jeez, kind of <laughs> Sorry. There, but... <laughs> no, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I actually forgot. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, first and foremost, I feel horrible for Peter Mrazek, man. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I, I, I know we've sat here and we've torched him and we've criticized him on this pod before, but this has been probably as, as much of a forgettable season as you can, as you can possibly get. And, uh, you know, with his third groin injury of the year, I – who knows if he's even going to be back at all this season. So I feel bad for him. Um, what I would like to say though, is I, one of my friends told me this take and I kind of, I, I kind of may have seen where they were coming from. Jack Campbell coming back from injury pretty soon. You honestly got to wonder if maybe he started slipping when he did, because he felt threatened by Mrazic being fully healthy. I just want to throw this out there because, you know, Jack Campbell, obviously everybody knows that whoever, whoever his goaltending partner is, he's going to love them. He's going to be super nice to them. Um, he's going to talk about how they're an amazing partner and how they always challenge each other and stuff. Um, but it is co- like what it, there is a little bit of a coincidence there that when Peter Mrazek came back and he was healthy and he got his first real opportunity to, um, to really sort of take control of the crease and well, not take control of the crease even, but you know, he, when, when Miraza came back and got his first real opportunity to actually string some starts together, Jack, that's when Jack Campbell started to slip and you know, Miraza not that he really made anything of the opportunity, but you got to wonder if maybe he started slipping because he was, he was used to having the net essentially to himself. Like you, you saw the way that his 2021 season ended you, what you saw the way that this season started with Miraza being injured and he played some of his best hockey. So I'd like to, I, I'm going to hope that with Jack Campbell coming back from an injury and knowing that his, his goaltending partner, assuming it stays Shalgren, is a guy who, you know, doesn't have a lot of NHL experience and isn't really a threat to take his job as, as long as Jack Campbell can get the job done. You got to wonder if Campbell coming back, knowing that he's, you know, he's going to be the guy down the stretch and having, you know, a, an improved blue line with Mark Giordano in front of him, um, and Labushkin for that matter. I don't think he's played too many games of Labushkin in front of him. So you got to wonder if uh, you got to wonder if maybe Jack Campbell is going to come back, come back stronger than ever this time around. So I'm excited to see how he comes. I hope they don't rush him back. Um, and uh, when he gets back, I, I, I'm really, really hoping that this is we can put it, we can put the Jack Campbell uh, struggles talk to bed for the rest of the season. I just wanted to uh, throw that out there. Yeah, no, I, I did bring up something similar to that. Uh, I want to say maybe a month or so ago where, you know, he, the struggle started and, and, you know, whether it was Miraza coming back and having a capable partner was what kind of threw him off. But um, yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely something that's thought worthy and, 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 and really gets you wondering what's, what's going on mentally with, with Jack Campbell as well. Obviously he's got the rib injury, so we don't want to take anything away from that, but uh, you know, there, there are, 
like I said, it's a mental game. It's, once you get in there, so many mental mistakes can happen that can cost you wins, can cost you games, can cost you even just single individual plays. So um, with that, a little NHL news before we close it up. Um, obviously the salary cap reported by Elliot Friedman will be going up next year to 82.5 million. That's 1 million higher than what we have right now. Um, always good news when you see the cap go up. So Leafs, uh, I, I saw a tweet, I forget who it was. I'd ha- I gotta start taking, taking pictures of these things and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, it was saying that, you know, the Leafs aren't in as bad a shape as some, some people believe. And I think they had like, 16 players locked up for, I don't know, I want to say 50 million or something like that. So anyways, regardless, I, I think it's good news. Obviously, you know, when, when you got guys that you need to get signed, Jack Campbell's one of them. Um, you're talking about, uh, you know, big dollar amounts. Um, you got to see what you can do with, uh, with the money that you have. So every penny counts there. Um, any, anything you guys want to add on that salary cap increase? I just want to add with the additional 1.2 coming off Phil Kessel's contract. Mm-hmm. That's uh may not seem like a lot, but 2.2 million extra this year is, you know, any little bit helps. I mean, that's where I'm at right now. Um, yeah. You said, you mentioned that a lot of players are still signed for next season. You got to deal with some UFAs, but at the same time that, that extra cap hit is going to be, you know, really, really great for them. Mm-hmm. I want to bring this up real quick before we move move on to, uh, in case you guys forgot, but I think I brought this up around the time when Morgan Riley signed his contract extension with Phil Kessel's 1.2 mil coming off the books and the cap rising by um, a million. It was, it was, it was just a million, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bad. Um, with those two, uh, w- with those two financial moves in place, Morgan Riley's 7.5 mil is pretty much just going to remain at five mil for next year. Yeah, as a cap it, which is which is huge. So I just wanted to get that out there. So it's almost like it's almost like Morgan Riley's didn't really get a much of a didn't really get much of a, a pay raise at all, at least not cap wise. Mm-hmm. So just wanted but to kind of rem- remind you. Kind of feels like the Maple Leafs knew about that too. I could have. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, lastly, boys, uh, obviously we never like to do something like this. I mean, we opened with, uh, with Alex's comments, um, and, and we're going to kind of close here with another sad note. Um, you know, I know he got ripped a lot in, in the, uh, the hockey world, but, uh, Ottawa centers owner, Eugene Melnick passed away on Monday at the age of 62 after uh, a long, um, battle with an illness. Uh, I don't think they really specified what the illness was, nor is it anybody's business, what it was, um, but, you know, obviously uh, for him to bring the team to, to Ottawa and, and um, you know, the Senators, whether we like it or not, are, 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 have, have been longtime rivals with the Leafs. Uh, I think back to the um, late 90s, early 2000s, and their, their constant battles, consistent battles in the, in the uh, playoffs and, and what that meant year in and year out. And um, for a guy like Melnick to, uh, you know, love his, love his hockey team, um, you know, it's to his family, his friends, and, and, and the, the entire Ottawa Senators organization. Uh, we send our condolences here from Sticks on the Six. Yeah. With that, boys, uh, another great episode in the books. As always, you can check us out on Twitter. Uh, check out Peter at P. Barracchini. You can look at uh, Alex's beautiful thread on the, uh, 
on the uh, Boston situation here uh, at a hops and media, or you can check myself out at Andrew G Forbes. You can also hit us up at the podcast at sticks in the six pod. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D. Uh, also thanks to our, a big shout out to our, our new sponsors, DraftKings. Uh, sign up, use our promo yeah. code sit six S I T six. Um, they'll be coming to Ontario very, very shortly. So be sure to do that. Uh, get in your daily fantasy. Um, I'm a big sports better. So if you have any, have any questions, just hit me up on Twitter as well. Uh, aside from that guys, as always, uh, check us out on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Amazon podcasts, iHeartRadio. We're on every single one of those, uh, uh, broadcasting services. So, Make sure you hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button and download every episode so you can stay in touch with us three boys as we continue our week to week uh, sports talk. Aside from that, anything you guys want to quickly throw out there before we close it out? Uh, dwelling in some prospect profiles right now. And again, Andrew, we talked about this before. I'm talking about my favorite D-man in this draft. And I'm not not going to shut up about him because I absolutely I, I I'm not going to lie. Based on where he's at, I hope the Maple Leafs draft him. Fingers crossed. Go. But hey, there you go. A little more Leaf content for you, Alex. Anything <laughs> you want to throw to our listeners before we close it out? Ooh. That was the worst time Dion in the world. Um, he's tired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I did, I did nap for like two hours right before we started recording this. So yeah, a little bit. Um, no, not too much. I, I've got a piece on uh, Nick Abruzzese coming out, hopefully tomorrow. Um, I think it was obviously a uh, uh, good time to write it with him signing his entry-level contract with the Leafs. Um, looking to hopefully get a piece out on the Leafs' penalty kill at some point. I'm looking to do something um, on – I haven't put this in, cha- in the channel yet, but I'm looking to do something on why Mikheyev should be considered for the permanent top, top six job down the stretch – um and then of course i'm gonna have some more draft profiles coming out as well i'm looking to get one done for around early next week and uh yeah that's so i guess yeah i do have a lot on the dog and i don't know why i let let off with no not really that much <laughs> proceeded to list like four articles i was working on anyways yeah beautiful boys okay well check out last kingdom on netflix and be sure like i said <laughs> Hit up DraftKings, use SIT666 as your promo code, and we'll be sure to get back at you next week.